0: Welcome to the award-winning show, Holding Down the Fort, brought to you by U.S. Vet Wealth.
1: A podcast show that focuses on sustaining a fulfilling a purposeful military life through conversation and community building.
0: I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and creator of Holding
1: Down the Fort. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop, a seasoned military spouse, mom of two boys, and your co-host.
0: Together, we'll converse with special guests from the military community and for the community to share knowledge, resources, and relevant stories on how we can best hold down the fort for
1: ourselves and our loved ones. Now let's get started.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the award-winning podcast show, Holding Down the Fort. I am your creator and co-host, Jen Amos. And as always, I have my amazing co-host with me, Jenny Lynn Troop. Jenny Lynn, welcome back.
1: Hey, glad to be here today.
0: And I am happy that you're here today because it's one of those rare days as of late where you have very minimal interruptions. So I'm excited to hopefully get your undivided attention <laughs> in our conversation today.
1: We'll keep our fingers crossed, my children are home from school as we're recording on election day, so they are currently happily playing video games, but sometimes that could go either way depending on who's winning.
0: Yeah, oh boy, oh boy, okay. Well, luckily we have an amazing editor (laughs) that makes it sound like we are not being distracted. But without further ado, we are really excited, I myself especially, because having grown up as a military child, I don't often get to engage with other people who also grew up in this lifestyle as a kid. And so I'm excited to bring on Shermaine Perry-Knightz, Knights, is an award-winning facilitator, project manager, speaker and author, and like I mentioned, a proud military kid. You can learn more about her at her website, booksformilitaryfamilies.com, and also check out her books on Amazon, all available there if you search for her name, Shermaine Perry Knights. So without further ado, Shermaine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me.
2: I'm super excited.
0: Yeah, no, we're really happy to have you. We already had um, a lot of offline conversation, including some Zoom filter tips. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, we should get started before we go down a rabbit hole with that one. Let me start by asking a question. What does holding down the fort look like for you nowadays? And what I'm really asking is, give us a quick snapshot of your life, just so our listeners can get an idea of who you are. Yeah, um, so I'll start with holding down the fort first. What it means,
2: at least in 2021 and for 2022, means like holding your mental health together. It's still supporting friends, family, finding a way to still work and take care of yourself. So that is holding down the fort. for me. in the daytime, I'm a facilitator and a project manager, but what I get the most joy out of is creating stories for military connected families and spending time with my own family. That's it. I mean, I did some trick-or-treating with the kids in the neighborhood, you know, that's, that's about it.
0: I love that. Uh, at the time of this recording, I'm currently on a farm in the middle of nowhere. So we did not celebrate <laughs> Halloween this weekend. I think it would require a lot of work for kids to go from one farm to the next just <laughs> to ask for candy but are there cornfields? Yes, but they all- You did celebrate. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yes, that counts. I make that count. Yes.
1: We just said the whole Halloween thing too. I am happy that it is two days post. My kids are still on a sugar high, which may be part of the interruption because I'm pretty sure (laughs) they've eaten a steady diet of candy for the last two days, despite my best efforts to parent them otherwise.
0: God bless the teachers, look. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Charmaine, I love how you opened up with holding down the fort to me, especially during, you know, this last, I would say year and a half, almost two years now, is, you know, maintaining my mental health. That's a big conversation. Jenny Lynn and I bring up on the show every time. So I just, I appreciate you opening up by, you know, humanizing yourself and really acknowledging how difficult this time had been. I think for me, like part of why I've been so ambitious with podcasting is because it is the one thing that helped me held down the fort mentally, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. during this time. So thank you for, you know, opening up with that and being so candid about taking care of your mental health. I totally get it. For me, writing is
2: that, reading mm-hmm. is that as well, taking a walk every day, just finding something to do with my time and that creative outlet There is nothing like it. It it just, that is the fort (laughs) that's holding and the fort itself.
1: (laughs) I love (laughs) it. (laughs) Oh man, totally. You're speaking my language. Like writing for me is that place that I find stability also walking and reading. Although I have found like in the last 18 months, my reading material has shifted drastically to like nothing but a steady diet of easy nonfiction. Like I can't do like the hard teach you thing books that I love. I have a ton of them. I mean, you guys can see my library behind me. None of these are fiction books. All of these are nonfiction <laughs> that teach nice. you things. And I probably haven't picked one up in at least 14 months because it just, the weight of pandemic life and PCSing and C duty like is heavy enough. So I've been reading a steady diet of excellent fiction novels. <laughs> I get I it.
0: That. Yeah. And I know that, like, one thing you like to do as your sleeping regimen <laughs> is to start reading fictional books after eight o'clock at night. And I love that. I love that. That's kind of like your way of kind of, of wrapping up your day.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Trying to read something that's supposed to teach me things or grow, you know, or help me grow like past eight o'clock at night is probably <laughs> not going to land. I'm like mentally done for the day by then. And so, yes, lots of good fiction.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: I'm going to borrow that tip.
0: Yeah, there you go. I
1: have a list of books I can tell you about offline that I've read in the last year and a half that were fantastic. You know, actually, I might want to ask for
0: that recommendation because I'm trying to find ways to tune out at night too. So anyway, offline conversation (laughs) for later. I love it. Speaking of books, Jermaine, you have a book that we are going to talk extensively about today, which I'm really excited about, which is titled, I Move a Lot and That's Okay. Tell us a little bit about this book for people that are hearing about it for the first time. I know first and foremost, it's about uh, military children, but what can they expect when they read this book?
2: Well, so just like you, Jen, I grew up in military, traveled across the world my entire life. And it's simply the story that we wished we had as kids to make our travels a little bit easier. So in the story, you'll see Grace. She is the main character and I named her Grace intentionally because you need to give yourself a little grace love. Plus, I just love the name. She takes a trip from Georgia with less than a year of being there and PCS is all the way to Southern Italy, which we actually did and has to encounter new culture, new language, new foods, new environment, you know, getting used to the smell of sulfur in the air, which is not something people here in America are used to. And just her entire world is upside down. So you're leaving everything and everyone you know behind, which is very familiar, to military connected families. But the twist is that you don't view the story or the journey through the eyes of a child. And so it allows you to see it through a seven-year-old's perspective. There's highs and lows and she's like, this stinks, but if they got pizza, maybe that's okay. Mm. Or I, I lost my, my favorite thing. I'm not gonna tell you what it is unless you read it. But if this happens, then that's okay. If they got ice cream, that's okay. And so you see her experience the highs and lows, just like us holding on the fort and she's saying to herself, if I can reach one more marker, one more thing, you know, if I can find out about something else, then I'm okay with this. And so just having a bite sizable learning experience through food, through culture, through um, traveling, through, you know, being in the hotel on base. And so it just allows a child to see that resilience is important and more, you know, also that there's hope on the other side of a new environment.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that is beautiful. And I'm so glad that just like with you, I mean, I love how you're, you know, creating the thing that you wish you had growing up. I myself, you know, 20 years removed from the military, have spent the last handful of years just unpacking (laughs) what that was all about. I'm like, how is it that I'm kind of like on my third career in my adult life? How is it even when I was in college, I changed my major multiple times? Like, how is it that I always feel like I feel this need to reinvent myself? and have a diversity of friends. And it's like, oh, it's because as a military kid, that's what I had to do. I had to move every two to three years. I had to make new friends to the point where I eventually got jaded. And I was like, you know what, whoever comes to me, like, I guess you're my friend, you know, like just all of that. And unfortunately, I mean, you know, to the best of my parents' ability, obviously they kept me alive and they kept a roof over my head and they fed me and everything. But the ramifications of just that life, like that was not discussed you know, caused me to like deal with it in a very interesting way later on in my adult life. So I love how, you know, you have taken your experience as a military kid to be able to put this in the book that could help military kids today.
2: Yeah. So it's something that even resonates with people in our age groups like, oh yeah, I, I wish we had this. It's like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that was the purpose. We didn't have it. And yeah. so when you're in a room and people start talking and they're asking you, where are you from? You're just like, I cringe in my mind. I'm going, (laughs) even as a kid, it's like, okay, well, they're not going to believe me. Right. But my family's from here and I was born there and we lived there, but we spent most of our life in Europe and they're like, who are you? So when we have these outlandish experiences, like going to the Louvre on a field trip or playing sports in another country, just some really cool things that most people have not experienced. People wonder, is that true? What is that a real thing? Like in the time we went to Sistine Chapel. Yeah, you know, took some photos. You weren't supposed to take photos at the time. They they broke somebody's camera. It was a whole story. <laughs> and when you start to talk about this with your non-military connected friends, people go, "Is that real?" And so the more you hear that, like you said, you get a little jaded, and you realize my experiences are really different. So you start to try to make yourself smaller to fit in the world around you. Yeah. But you're third culture kid. You belong to a different group. You're just now realizing that, sharing that diversity of thought and your experiences should be celebrated so why not celebrate them for me my outlet was celebrate them in writing and in literature overall
0: yeah i like that word you've learned to celebrate how you know multicultural and multifaceted you are and yeah i think about even my own background whenever people ask me like where are you from I'm kind of like, do you got some time like to hear like my life story? Because I've kind of been everywhere.
2: <laughs> this version of the long version, right? <laughs> yeah, sort
0: of long. I mean, I've mainly lived in California. That's what I'll tell people. I was like, oh, I lived there for at least 20 years. But prior to that, I've been, you know, going back and forth from like Japan to California to South Korea, you know, like all these things when I was a kid. Jenny you recently had PCS with your family and you have two little boys. So I'm, I'm not so little anymore, obviously. They're like They're pretty, they're, they're growing up, (laughs) but I'm curious to know like what it's like for you to hear this conversation so far as Charmaine and I talk about our experiences as a military kid.
1: It's funny. Like I love listening to you guys share your experiences because it helps me as a mom to put myself in my kid's place. I'm doing this from the adult perspective. And I'm someone who lived in the same house, like my whole life. I mean, my parents, moved when I was in college, like, and that's the house they've been in since I was in college. So like I lived in two houses, like my whole, <laughs> my whole life, like within 15 minutes of each other, right? Like we never left the area. And so I can solidly say like I was born and raised in Virginia, mm-hmm. my kids who are both born here in Virginia, like it's where they tell people they're from, I think mostly because of their relationship with my parents and like how close they are to our family. But I mean, They were two and three when we moved the first time. And so now that we're back in Virginia, I mean, I have preteens like I have those that awesome tweenager age at my house and like we're back where they're from. And yet we have daily conversations about how different it is here than it was in San Diego or in Connecticut where we were before that. And, you know. Because of their ages, like they have noticed the nuance and culture and the differences of things, and it's fascinating to see that from a kid perspective and like parent through those changes.
2: Mm-hmm. I said um, I like what you're saying—the differences in just one location to the next. The food is different, the people are different, and so—and you see it with Grace in the book as well—is she has diverse friends, her classroom is diverse. Mm-hmm. It's celebrated, you know, We like in our community, we're celebrating, you know, um, Asian American Heritage Month and Spanish Heritage Month and Caribbean Heritage Month. And we're always learning from each other's parents and grandparents and saying they're different, but I like that. She makes this one dish and I've learned a few words in Tagalog that I like. And so we start to get to know each other from the way we celebrate and just kind of attract to each other's cultures. But when you move away to a new location, you start to see it's very different and people are very much in their own cliques. You say, well, where do I fit in? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just important that you're having those conversations with your kid, Jenny Lynn, to see, you know, it's different, but we can find something that we can enjoy here. And I'm pretty sure there's a few kids just like you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now I start to see they have like, we did something in school. It's almost like a sponsor for kids in school where you became, we're not really a sponsor, but it was your job, at least it was my job to kind of befriend the new kid on their PCS Mm. and kind of show them around, let them sit at the lunch table with you. I guess I was cool. I don't know. And (laughs) you get to, I mean, in my mind, right? And you're showing them around so they don't feel as lonely. And I think if we do more of that in different Mm. groups, not just for the spouse, because I know we have spouse sponsors, And I know we have sponsors for the service member but if we start to do that with children I think it will make their experience even better than it was 20 Mm -hmm. or 30 years ago for us.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah it's interesting I mean my youngest is in elementary school my oldest is in middle school and it's interesting because the neighborhood we moved into we've seemed to have met all middle schoolers like we can't find the elementary schoolers my two are only 18 months apart so it's not a huge deal but you know my youngest son who's very social and very like participates in everything and you know wants to befriend everybody even still had this twinge of like but when i start school everybody that i've hung out with all summer is going to the middle school and i'm going to elementary school like what do i do and i mean we're in a Very large. We live in Hampton Roads. We're in a huge military area. And so, reassuring him that he is not the only one that's going to be brand new to the school and that there are probably other military kids in his class. And, but it was interesting because he's not typically my one that worries about that kind of stuff because he's so social. But to see him try and figure that out before school started and then you know, question like how different he was going to be than everyone else was, yeah, it was a new parenting experience that I hope I don't have to do again.
2: <laughs> you will, but you'll be more prepared for the next time. Like, but yeah. when we moved from, I think we moved maybe like eight to 10 times somewhere. We moved a lot. Like literally yeah. that was my phrase. Like oh, I move a lot and I'm okay. You know, you just kind of, it's like a mantra you kind of pull in. We moved to Turkey and you're learning Turkish and then you move somewhere else and there people are like you speak what it's like oh I speak Turkish they're like why do they eat? <laughs> so the the main question you get asked is do they eat turkey in turkey <laughs> yeah yes, yep. in my I mind I'm just like <laughs> I think that's when we moved back to the U.S. after that and I was just like no they don't eat turkey in <laughs> turkey so, so you're gonna have this experience again where your kid's gonna be like but you'll be better prepared with some fun yeah. jokes and resources you know it it never ended i was like mom they asked me if they can drive to turkey she was like what did you tell them shimane i was like i was polite and said no but in my mind i'm like duh (laughs) so your kid's gonna get that that cool kind of sarcasm you're just gonna try to tailor it Jenny (laughs) Lynn.
1: oh Oh, they already have it i mean they're 10 (laughs) and 12 so they're already well on their way to being like what is happening and having a slightly sarcastic response
2: It's a character trait.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's one thing I I can credit a lot of my humor and sarcasm and just kind of nonchalant attitude from just the, you know, just the the shiftiness of military life. Like you kind of just learn to take it with a sense of humor. And even once we got settled, it's like I really, like, it was really hard for me to like mentally settle. Like once we moved back to California, but yeah, you just learn to kind of take it in stride and you learn to like look at it in a funny way. <laughs> I don't
2: think I've even settled though. My mind is still like, okay, okay well, where's next? What are we doing next? Exactly. And so I won't even stay in a job very long. Like I'll, I'm like, oh, let's try another company. Let's do something different, right? Just yeah. this need to continue to grow and move and learn something different.
0: Yeah. No, that's real talk. Like I don't know if you ever like feel this way, but I always feel like I'm starting to anticipate a plan B, or I'm starting to anticipate a transition to something else. Like, I don't even think it's coming, but I like, I don't know if it's actually coming, but I feel like it's coming, you know? And so I always think of like, well, what would happen? I start thinking, what ifs like, Oh, what happened if like, you know, I lose this or I lose that, or I have to move or, you know, I mean, right now, like in my current life, having relocated a number of times in just a number of months, but like, it's a very real thing that's happening to me right now. But even when we were like quote unquote settled, it was kind of like, okay, how long am I going to be here? I think about when we moved back to California, I was in one elementary school in fifth grade, and then I went to another one in sixth grade. And then before I could you know, get settled, we went to middle school, which was for two years, and then I went to high school. And then within two years, I moved to another high school. And this was even post-military, okay? So I felt like for a long time, I just mm-hmm. couldn't find like that solid ground, and then that's why in college <laughs> I changed my major three times, and then in my young twenties I got fired from like four jobs because I just I couldn't understand the concept of staying put somewhere. Like it was very unsettling for me, mm-hmm. and so I think it's interesting to just reflect and share this with you out loud. And I love how you said like, oh, I might change careers again. I don't know. Oh, like yeah. um, <laughs> this is what I'm doing right now, but I don't know if I'm going to do it tomorrow. I feel like you get me, I guess, in a sense, and I, and that's why I feel like I can share this because it's like, okay, I'm not the only one. And I'm not scattered brain and I'm not like not being committal. It's it's just something that had been conditioned in me at a very young age. Well said. That's
2: me exactly.
0: It's <laughs> me yes. exactly because you're like,
2: okay, I've um, conquered this one thing. Something else is supposed to happen. Now, what is that? How do I prepare for that? Because something, and I think that's something that we're taught. You yeah. need to be prepared for today and mm-hmm. what could come tomorrow. And they're always unofficially preparing you that if they're not around, you need to be in charge. This is where you could like actually make groceries at seven in another language in a foreign country. You could actually do this, right? I don't know how you're this responsible, but you can. And (laughs) and as you're an an adult, you're like, okay, well, what's next? What new skill can I pick up? Where am I moving to my next job? Like, how can I continue to have this mindset of growing and evolving? But for me, it's kind of changed a little bit into how can I teach others what I know, how do I help them become more resilient? Because everything is temporary. Yeah. Most people don't understand that, but every single thing is temporary around you. And you got to live for today, but prepare for not tomorrow, but like the year after, which is, uh, you know, kind of crazy in itself. But I guess we're always prepared.
0: Yeah. It's like if you're always ready, you never have to prepare. <laughs> Yeah, I think is, how, is how the saying goes.
1: What I heard in all of that is that I was destined to be a military spouse because I have two different degrees and two completely different things. I <laughs> no longer work in a career of either of those degrees, even though I, you know, like I said, I mean, in my until college, I only lived in two houses that were within 15 minutes of, gosh, not even, they were probably like three miles apart you know, went to the same school, kindergarten to 12th grade, went to college with half of my graduating class, like, and yet I live this very transient, very, like, always have to be prepared and ready for the next thing lifestyle now. And I'm like, Oh, huh, weird. I guess I was always kind of preparing to do this, even though I come from that, you know, very staples, not really the word I want to use, but like, sort of the word I want to use like foundation, like we did not uproot, like, Yeah, you know, went to school and to church with the same people, you know, my entire life until I became a military spouse and moved away. And that was very, it was always very comforting and very, you know, I think that's where a lot of my sense of community comes from is that I grew up in a place in a space that was always felt like home and the people were. And so when I've had to create that wherever we've moved, that's the basis with which I go on. Like, oh, I want it to feel like home and for these these people to feel like home. And so I draw on having lived the same place until I got married and moved away.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Also, Jenny Lynn, I think what I appreciate about your story and kind of that range from, you know, being rooted for so long to being uprooted in the last, you know, almost 15 years now for you. Mm-hmm. And of course, with your kids is that even if you were supposedly built for it, you like got the help you needed to really you know, lean into it, right? You know, unfortunately, you know, like breakups and divorce and and all these things are very common in our community if you don't get help. And so I think, again, it's a testament to mental health, as we talked about (laughs) at the beginning (laughs) of our conversation, and uh, community, right? Mental health and community, I think, is key to
1: this. Oh, for sure. For
0: sure. Yeah. I love that,
2: Jenny Lynn, you've seen, you've seen like that continuum of change, things that are more steady every day to now every day is a little bit different. So you have some strategies on how to handle these things because Mm -hmm. you know what both sides look like. And so Mm -hmm. having those resources is valuable.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, as we kind of all process all of this change and stuff out loud, what I'm coming to is realizing like that is where I think I've really filled a gap for my boys is I'm the one that's always been here. And because I grew up with such a stable and rooted background, like, That's what I try to provide for them. Despite all of the change, just also sometimes really exhausting mental health, real talk. That's still why that's why I'm still in therapy. Like, because sometimes being that pillar of stability is exhausting, but it is something that I want my boys to feel like, you know, despite all of the outside changes and the uprooting and the constantly shifting cultural cues and things like, you know, they always feel safe and secure wherever we are together.
0: Yeah. After you. you hold down the fort for them, jenny Lynn. <laughs> you, you are do. the cornerstone of your military family. Charmaine, I was reflecting on what you were saying earlier about how you had this whole journey of growing and evolving into the person you are today to now teaching. And I have to ask you, because you also mentioned this earlier in our conversation, that as a military child, you kind of feel like in order to, let's say, assimilate in your next location, you sort of have to shrink yourself and, and simplify, you know, answering questions of like where you're from and what have you and that you can easily kind of minimize yourself and your story. And so I'm curious for you, like, when did you go from, I guess, shrinking yourself to knowing like, you know what, I need to celebrate this. I need to stop doing that. I need to stop shrinking myself, minimize myself, simplifying myself in a way to celebrating this and teaching others to do the same. So I, I think it happens just kind of naturally along the way you know just for good obsec right you learn
2: not to share as much and so people ask you where you're from you start to listen to what other people saying you're like oh you know I'm from this area you know you're not really from there because you don't want to give the full story that could give details about your personal life so i think that's probably part of the shrinking is you're not trying to share too much information but then when you become an adult like i went to spelman college Fantastic college. Mm-hmm. Everybody apparently was at the top of their class when I went. So I was like, oh, wait, it's not just me who's like really doing something. I'm like, no, all 600 of us
0: mm.
2: are fantastic. Wow. And so when people start talking about where they're from. And there's only a few of us from another country. Well, because wherever you were last is technically where some people think you're from. You start to realize, well, I am a little different, but how can I find ways to celebrate this? And so I just would try to implement a few stories in reports that I was sharing or, if I had to talk about like politics and women, how mm-hmm. this could relate based off of my experience living somewhere else where um, the rights of women were a little more restrictive, not mm-hmm. that it was bad, it was just different. And so I started to evolve this idea of and you know, just kind of take it with a grain of salt. But everything and every person based off of your perspective can be considered a hero, a tyrant or a terrorist. It mm-hmm. just depends on your perspective. Mm-hmm whatever it is. And so I start to like create one concept and think of it in three different ways. Like, okay, well, what narrative do I actually want to share with people? How yeah. much do I actually want to share when they say, Oh, where are you from? It's like, Oh, you know, we moved around, but I landed here in Georgia and, and I just kind of leave it there. So I've learned what not to share unless I'm with people like Jenny Lynn and Jen who get it. And I can say, Oh, well, I was actually born in San Diego, but then like, six weeks later, exactly, we shipped out, you know, and I could share a little bit more because I know the space is safe with like-minded individuals. So I think you just kind of start to get a feel for it using your intuition once you're an adult. But as a kid, you're like, okay, well, what's everybody else sharing? I'm only going to share that.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's smart. It gets me to reflect on why I podcast today. And I think like my goal is if I can make people safe enough to open up about certain things and I can open up, open up about certain things. And I think my approach is very similar to yours where it's like, you hear what everyone else is saying, you are like, okay, well, based on the general consensus of this group, I'm going to present this part of myself to you. And I think that's clever. And, and like you said, it, it's probably a learned trait you had to pick up growing up.
2: Yeah. So it's like, I was in a clubhouse room not too long ago, apparently clubhouse is like the thing now. And <laughs> I get in there and then, you know, they pull you to the stage. And I was like, what's the hardest thing you've ever had to go through? And I'm thinking, I don't know these hundred people in here. You know, in your mind, you're like, quick, what do you say? And I'm like, uh, the rejection when you submit something to a publisher and they say no. And I'm like, okay, that feels like a safe answer. And then, <laughs> you know, and then they divert to other people and you realize they're talking about like the death of a loved one and like mental health, having a breakdown. I'm like, oh, that was the wrong thing. You know, so like, you never really know what the safe space is when you have to go first. So I will wait, and I'm like, okay, what are they sharing? Is there one thing I can share that's not too deep that'll give away anything, but I can you know? So it's Mm -hmm. it's like this teeter-totter between what's safe to share, what's not safe to share, and who's in the room. And I know Jenny Lynn probably sees this, because you have kids. You're like wondering, what do I share with them about my experience in all of this, and what can't I share? You know, what makes me real but still seem like every kid wants to feel like their parent is a superhero, even though we're not? You still want to feel like, to some degree, they see you as someone who's gonna protect them regardless of whatever. So it's like, I know you experience that. What do I share? What don't I share about my experience?
1: Yeah, it's interesting as you were talking, I was thinking about the multiple situations I've been in where I'm the new adult on the block and the last person you wanna be is the one that drops the elevator first. Like you don't want to be the one that gives all the heavy information and have everyone <laughs> stare at you open mouth because you just shared something that was real and real hard. And they're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do with you and all of your story anymore. When I think about how I have, you know, definitely tiptoed into some of those situations and am grateful for the people I found that also had elevator drop stories that I could be comfortable and share our whole, you know, experience with and as a mom yeah that line with my kids i mean especially now we my husband's back on sea duty for the first time in many years and it even though he has worked jobs for the past several years that were high pace long hours you know lots of working from home even after he was off work like this is different and my kids are older. And so trying to find that line of going, look, I know this is hard for you. Also, it's hard for me because I do still want them to feel safe And also know that like my well of, of giving is only so, so deep. And I'm also having trouble with like making new friends or figuring out where I fit or, I mean, and we, Jen and I've had this conversation a couple of times, but I mean, I moved home like quote Mm -hmm. unquote, I moved back to the area I grew up in. Now I don't live in the same town and we're not going to like the same church and my kids don't go to the same school I went to, but like, I do have people Within the surrounding area that I've known my whole life, but there was a stretch this summer where like I was working, I mean, not was, I still do work full time and I work weird hours because I work for a West coast company and I wasn't seeing anyone unless I was seeing them on zoom and just felt like so isolated and trying to help my kids navigate feeling isolated and alone when i was feeling very isolated and alone was a hard parenting moment and you know i mean in that moment i told them that i was also feeling that way too because i it made them feel less alone and i don't think it freaked them out that i told them that <laughs> jury's still out on that i guess but it
2: humanizes you and um in in the book i have this as well where the family's getting on that long flight across the water and the kid leans over and is like i'm scared Mm -hmm. to the mom and the mom says i'm scared too but the army needs us to be strong Mm -hmm. so i I Mm -hmm. like the acknowledging a parent is saying i don't know what's going to happen either and i feel like you do but we're together and then Mm -hmm. the mom holds their hand or gives them a piece of bubble gum and it's just it's realistic Mm -hmm. because you don't know Mm -hmm. what's going to happen you're scared too and they ask you and last thing you want to do is invalidate their feelings by saying oh no it's fine it's like no i feel this way too but we're together and long as we're together that's home and so that's a concept my mom always kind of pushed with us and she was always pretty honest as well like mm-hmm. hey i'm experiencing this too my career is constantly changing i'm in this with you guys but as long as we have each other we're home that is home wherever family is mm-hmm. and so that's what you would consider because everything else is temporary. And um, for me, a little piece of my heart really stayed in every station across the world. Mm-hmm. Like a little piece of me is in Turkey and a little piece of me is in Italy and in Germany and England and Oklahoma and some of the other places that we were in for short periods of time. Because like you said, when you go back, you have those memories, mm-hmm. but you realize you're not the same person that you were before. That person was really different. They were special, but I'm never going to be her again.
1: hmm mm-hmm.
2: So it's a little sad, but it's exciting at the same time. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I hear what you mean. It's like the constant shedding of old skin, you know, when I think of reptiles. And it's like, yeah, I'm processing like everything you're saying. But essentially in hearing you talk, I feel like you're kind of talking to my younger self, you know, saying that it was going to be okay. When I have these conversations, I'm often reminded of like literally how I had to be the adult ally, you know, to go back in time and tell little Jennifer, you know, like, you're gonna be okay, like, just keep writing in your journal. We're gonna address like what you're going through like later. But like in that moment, being a military child, at least with my upbringing, you're just going through the motions. And I guess in a way I'm grateful to be where I'm at today to have these conversations, because I think about my own friends, and Charmaine, I'm curious if you had these types of friends growing up where they didn't do too well with the military life. I had some friends who ended up becoming bullies and some of them even ended up going to jail because that escalated into worse things. And it was just really difficult. Like some kids really have a hard time, you know, going through this. And so in hearing you talk, and it gets me to reflect on my experience and, and think like, wow, you know, despite how challenging it was, I think I turned out okay. <laughs> oh yeah, you turned
2: out great. <laughs> and Lynn, your kids will turn out great, okay? So there are a few that like- Thank you. No, but in truth, there are a yeah. few people that they so crave wanted to be a part of a community. Yeah. Even though we're different, but we're still our own community. They call us third culture kids. I don't know why, but you know, it's a whole yeah. thing. This transient lifestyle. Some people, I do have some friends like that Jen that yeah. they went down the wrong path and got connected with the wrong people. And are they still good people at heart? Yes. But they made some bad choices like anyone can and their choices have landed them behind bars. Right. Or, yeah. or worse. But for the majority, we found ways to support each other. But remember, all of the mental health programs that are available now through the military was not there before. Right. It was just, oh, you move. You guys will be all right in a few months. And like nobody was really checking in for a child's mental health, a middle schooler's mental health. It was just oh, that'd be fine. They'll make some friends. Yeah, they're dying their hair black. You know, everybody's emo in middle school. She's fine. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. we were all emo in middle school. Everyone was. Red was the color
0: for all my friends. Everyone was emo. It was so weird. Like, I had friends, like, there was one day where, I guess there was like this red hair spray that was being handed around on campus. Like, everyone had red hair. I was like, what is going on? I look
2: kind of allowing them the space. And that's why I think it's important. Like, books like this, conversations like this, where we're saying, you know, we're validating your feelings, thoughts, and experiences because you are serving as well. Like it's not always yeah. looked at as the child is serving. It's the spouse is serving, you know, the service member is serving. And, oh, these are just some brats over here. It's like, no, they're really right. serving and every bit of their world is changed.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like change is constant. It's a whole world win all the time for kids. And But they don't have the freedom to share the way they want to share. They mm-hmm, can't just yeah. break something because they're frustrated. Like how I can just throw a vase if I felt like it and I'm frustrated. People are going to get it as an adult. Shermaine can do that. Mm -hmm. But if a kid does, they're like, oh, you're in trouble, but it's like, well, they don't know how to express their frustration. And so I feel like a book like this and NPR and, you know, some of the other like Stars and Stripes, other magazines have said this is a great book as a conversation tool for parents to say, hey, let's let's take a look at this and say. This is how you're feeling. Let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. How do you really feel when we're moving and just really honor their moments? Mm -hmm. It's not going to make it better, but at least they'll feel heard and seen. And to me, that's all anybody ever wants Mm -hmm. is to feel heard and seen.
0: Yeah, real talk. I think that's the biggest thing I struggled with, you know, growing up. Like after a while, especially when we came back to civilian life, and it seemed like life was already moving on and people, you know, like people who were born, raised and lived in, you know, Southern California, I felt like I aged, you know, like I was like 10 years old and I I felt old, like in a way. But I also felt indifferent and jaded. And I think that if only, you know, my parents, and again, I'm trying to say this in a way where I still honor my parents because I know that they did their best. If they had any more capacity, you know, to validate my feelings and to validate what I was going through and the things I was saying at that time, I think I would have been, you know, better mentally. I would have been in a, on a better path. But you know, it really took till later in life to unpack <laughs> what I went through and learn to, I guess, self-soothe and comfort myself and say, like, everything you went through, like, it's okay. You made it out alive. I'm proud of you. You know. So I love that, you know, you have your book to now be one of many tools and resources for military families to have these conversations with their kids. I'm curious if you have had any feedback from families or maybe a favorite testimonial of yours that really, you know, shows your book being that conversation tool for military families.
2: Yeah, so I get a lot of like notes in the mail and people tag me in line which is is super cool i love it i'm like oh my god are this kid's like favorite i love that but some of the best testimonials two stand out to me one was a mom she has three kids and she messaged me on instagram was like you know my eight-year-old the sharp eight-year-old said that it made him feel heard and seen Mm. and I, I, i you know i cried a little bit i was excited because he had moved so much in his little eight years Mm. the younger siblings didn't really understand that at like three and five but the eight-year-old had a concept of i'm losing my friends every time i move and when the mom said that i said okay this is good i asked her i said can i send him a coloring book because they're getting ready to move again right it's like their fifth move i don't know what the service member's job is but that happens sometimes and i said yeah i just want to just send him some stickers and a coloring book as well just to make it a little bit smoother, but she had some deep conversations, and it felt right to say, okay, this is a real tool, not just okay, buy Charmaine's book because you know because she <laughs> wants you to buy it. Oh yeah, the other one came from a friend that I actually went to school with in third grade. This was yeah, this so, in, so oddly enough in in uh, fourth grade I ended up being in two different schools on two different sides of the same base is interesting. But um, when we were on one side of the base before we moved to Italy, yeah, I had to remember. She purchased the book. She drove three hours to buy a book. Wow. And it was nice to see her. I hadn't seen her in many years, but you know, you're, once you're friends, you're always friends. She bought the book for her kids. Her husband's a Marine and they have quite a bit of travel where he's by himself or they have to move. And her kid used it for character day. You know, it's a big day in school. So he made, a, he made his own version of the character on a Popsicle stick and he put the character and his stuffed animal back together. So he did a spinoff of my story and so he's going to teach his class About himself through Axel, which is the boy's character of the same book, and I said, "Wow, he's like he's going to teach him that about his type of people in the military, as he called them, were different, but we're cool." And he wanted to talk about it, and I said, "Okay." So it gave him the words where you and I would have just heard everybody else say something and went with that. He felt empowered to share a little more of his story, and I was like, "Okay, this is this is it." I was like, "I didn't have that moment, but I love that it prepared him for a moment." to talk about his own story.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the greatest educational tool out there is stories or storytelling, right? And so it's so great that you were able to have your book be a model for, he took that as a model for him to explain his crazy life.
1: (laughs) Coming from a teaching background and being a parent of military children, I, I just, I love that they see themselves in the story. And that it helps explain i mean one of the other things in addition to mental health and community that jen and i often talk about on here is like is the gap between military community and civilian community and how as i as a military spouse like really live in both worlds i mean technically i'm a civilian also i have a military id and you know i spend a lot of time in my personal and professional life really trying to bridge that gap and so to think that like this story helps kids bridge the gap in their own lives like just made me very happy
2: (laughs) oh that's so good so that's all i ever wanted for somebody else to see it and say that's me that makes sense and somebody else's kid was like "Axel looks like me that's the boy's character Mm -hmm. is that my kid sure (laughs) if you think it looks like you think if you think it looks like your kid great i wanted to make each character bicultural Mm -hmm. sure biracial if you want them that whatever it is. And so, like you said, if they can see themselves in it and find it valuable, Mm. that's all I could ever want. You know, why the experience is hard enough in itself, if you had something to make it easy.
1: Well, and I'm just going to put like a PSA out there for all the elementary school teachers. I taught first grade in California for a couple of years. And, you know, month of the military child is in April. And one of the things that I think was one of the best things I was able to do from a teaching standpoint during month of the military child is, I mean, we were in a school where a quarter of the population was military. And so, I mean, basically every class, 25% of your class is military. And so, we were fortunate that we had a lot of support through like the um, military family life counselors and things like that and also what i learned in as a parent i was grateful for that support my own kids went to the MFLAC; they had a great experience with her they got to hang out with other kids and you know do play therapy type things around being a military kid what I learned on the teacher side of that is I had been 75% of my class. And I mind you, we're talking first grade so six and seven, not a lot of world experience or worldview, <laughs> uh, but the other 75% of my class was super confused and honestly, a little jealous of the 25% of my kids that got pulled by the m who got to go do this thing. And they wanted to know how come these kids got to go do this thing. And they didn't, what made them mm. so special? And it was this other, this thing that was used to other. And so for month of military child, I brought in all of the military books that we own, with are many, and read a few to the 75% of my class while the other 25 were being pulled by the MFLAC to go, Hey, here's like, you know, here's what's going on, like, here's the reason they go to this. And I would read a book about like what it's like to be a service family and then talk about it. And then when, then when my kids who saw the M flat came back, like we had a discussion and I let those military kids like share like, oh yeah, that, I mean, that is my experience. That is what I'm going through. And we, you know, we had a really good, like class chat about it. And so every couple of days I would read a different, a different book. And we would talk about it, and I mean, it sounds like this one would be a great month of the military child book, like to help talk about that experience. So I just, I love that.
2: Yeah, just bridging the gap because other people go, "What? <laughs> so your dad kills people?" It's like, <laughs> no, no, some Maybe. do, but no. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, what? So you know, it would feel some of the questions that kids have out of curiosity and make it easier for another kid to answer. So like you're saying, it's a great book to build community and Mm -hmm. just kind of empathy for the experience in April. Mm -hmm. And then, oh yeah, President Biden just announced that November is now National Military Family Appreciation Month. Mm -hmm. And it just made me all
0: excited. I was like, ooh, look at us with the National Month
2: you know, why not?
0: I didn't know that. I mean, Jenny Lynn often updates me on all the holidays and stuff that go on in military community today, but that is amazing. That's great news. And we happen to be recording this during, during this month. So that is awesome. I mean, we got Jenny Lynn to cry too. Like this is it.
1: (laughs) Oh man. That that filled my cup today. Yeah. You got the whole (laughs) gamut today. The whole gamut.
0: Yeah. So Charmaine, I really love how again your book can be used as a conversation tool for military families to speak to their kids and also for our civilian counterparts to understand what it's like to you know be raised in this life and so i was reading a little bit about how you know you've been basically all over the world from you know asia to the west indies to europe and the middle east and i'm sure there's other places there that i haven't listed now that you are an adult and a parent from what i gathered in our conversation I'm curious how you have been able to create community for yourself today. And what can you share with our listeners about community? Well,
2: creating a community. I'm kind of a a creature of habit to some degree. I have some friends in a community that are more adventurous. Mm. You know, and then you have, you know, because I like my, my hiking, my indoor skydiving, was it blinding, things like that. So I have friends that I can build community around with that. And then others that are more, based off of like cultural, mm-hmm. same things like they They're from Trinidad too or from the islands as well. And so we connect in that area. And then there are my military connected friends that since day one, if I call, they're coming, haven't seen you in 20 years, but if you need them, they're driving, right? They're gonna find a way to get to you. So <laughs> yeah. I feel like the community is just honoring the diverse areas of who I am. So I have people in different pockets. And of course, if nothing else, just always keeping family as close as possible as you can. But um, the word community, is just like, I just, as I pick people up and they become a friend, they become a friend forever.
0: Oh, yes. Years go
2: by and your kids will do this as well, Jenny Lynn. They'll be like, oh, yeah, that was my real friend from third grade. What? (laughs) You know, they once shared uh, hot Cheetos or something together and that became, that was the story that tied them. Mm -hmm. And 20 years later, they will still be friends and laugh and joke about the same thing every time they see each other. But that's a community. I think anything that ties me to a great memory, good or bad, that I've had, just kind of becomes part of my community. Mm.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that answer. And your existence and our conversation today continues to affirm how my life has turned out. And just like with you, my community is quite multifaceted, you know, I like you, like, just like you, I have, you know, let's say, for example, I have, I'm part of the podcasting community, you know, and then I'm part of the military community. And then, you know, with my heritage, I'm part of the Filipino community, you know, and now I just need like a fitness community because. <laughs> Can we be is, our
2: own like group? I need that too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have been working. I've been trying to figure that out as things, as things are opening up. Although one thing for me, one thing, just a tip for everyone, because I'm I, one thing I've been working on this is not even like relevant but maybe some people will appreciate this i was talking to my therapist about like oh i want to get into like you know food and fitness again and take making healthy habits and one of my therapist, like my not one my therapist asked me she's like well so then let's just start by asking you like when was the last time you had a healthy mindset about taking care of your health and fitness and i was like never (laughs) like i have never i have always body shamed myself and I've, like, I've always like gone from zero to 100. And then I go back to zero. Like, I feel like I've never had a sustainable thing. So anyway, just in case anyone's wondering, if you're looking to get started somewhere, you got to start with the mindset. So I've been like reading books and getting meditation apps is the whole conversation for another time. But I feel like that's sort of what's helping me right now kind of go in that direction. But yes, if I could find a community that values fitness, I think I, I might be in a better position with that. But I love that. I, I Really, all this is to say is that, you know, we are, especially when it comes to the military community, we're multifaceted by nature. And therefore, you know, when we say community, it's not just the military community. It could be other aspects, just like what you shared, Tremaine, what I shared. And Jenny Lynn, I imagine that you have, you know, commu- different communities that you're a part of as well outside of the military.
1: hmm Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I think that's one of the things for me, that is a must. I can't be so singular and focused that I only belong to military spouse community. Like, no, I need to be in a neighborhood. And there are just so many other places that fill my bucket that if I simply hung with only other military families, like I myself would not be as well-rounded, neither would my children, and I would never have a different worldview. And so for me, anywhere we've been, I've always had multiple touch points of community, whether it be church or, you know, when my kids were little as mothers of preschoolers, Mm -hmm. it's been a 12-step program, it's been neighborhood, you know, all of those places, and also military spouses.
0: Yes. Oh, wow. What a great conversation. I feel really good about this. (laughs) Charmaine, is there any other final thoughts you want to share with our listeners today?
2: Yeah, I just want to add that diversity should be celebrated. Mm -hmm. And it's not just racial. It's not just gender, or even generations. Mm -hmm. It's about diversity of thought, having someone of a different background and celebrating it and saying, you know what, let me learn from you. And I think the world just needs more of that celebration of diversity and everything. So people feel free. To talk and share their experience without saying, oh, oh, you're different. Ugh. It's like, okay, well, you're different, but let tell me something about you. Like, let me learn more about your culture, your food, your heritage, and having a true curiosity for others. I feel like that is going to help us, especially in the time period when we're we're so separated just from yeah. the nature of the world events
0: yeah no real real talk i I love everything you said, and I think that's part of why I had really run hard with podcasting, especially during the pandemic because it seemed like every other media outlet was all about division, <laughs> and you know, yeah, all division, divisive rhetoric, et cetera, et cetera and podcasting had given me the opportunity to fight against that by having conversations to find common ground and you know, community. So I'm really grateful to have been in this space and obviously to have Jenny Lynn with me to do this. Cause I, I know this is one of the highlights of your, <laughs> of your day and I'm glad that you do this with me.
1: It is, it is. I mean, that, that reminded me of that saying, like, if you're the smartest person in the room, you need a new room, like, yes, which, yeah. which I love. And I constantly remind my boys of, cause they're in that very, like, Teenager, like i am the smartest person in the room and i should be and i'm like but no like you need a new room like (laughs) we're always we're always learning from other people like that's that's how we get better as human beings and also serve the community around us and of course i get the the side-eyed 12 year old look but you know if i keep saying it maybe i'll pick it
0: up (laughs) it'll it'll ring it'll echo later in life He'll be like oh that's what mom meant
1: you know one can hope yeah, day, it will.
0: Yeah, for sure. I feel like I can reflect a lot of my childhood, and I was like, "Oh, that's why my mom did what she did. Like, she wasn't trying to, you know, a, b, and c me. Like, she just, wow, she really loved me, right? Anyway, you got to give kids a couple years for that. But um, uh, with that being said, Jermaine, thank you so much for being a part of our conversation today. I really enjoyed it, your, like I said earlier, your existence is validating. And I don't know, maybe you'll agree with me, but I think that military kids can be the most empathetic people out there, just because from the very early stage of our life, we had to be, we had to adapt, we had to assimilate, we had to adjust. And you know, I just think that is a skill set that a lot of us have, and I sense that with you and also with the work that you've been able to produce. So thank you for your existence and for taking your childhood and turning it into the work you do today and to be a part of our conversation today.
2: Thank you for inviting me. I have so many more stories that I'm writing and then I'll be sharing uh, just some great moments, like you said, over the childhood things that have occurred and you put some, some things that, you know, other stuff in there to keep the fluff. But um, something my mom was saying, and I know we've all shared a mom story, she used to always tell me something that just rings in my head and it makes sense. Now she would say the things that make us different, make us special, mm. you know, because when you wonder, oh, my hair is big and it's curly and it's this and it's that, you know, all these things that you complain about as a kid, why us? Why me? Yeah. Like someday you'll love this because this is a really big difference, but it will make you special. And so I think we're in that frame of the world now where it's coming back full circle where people like Jane and Jenny Lynn will talk to their kids and community members and say, yeah, this was so different, but. Let me show you how my experience really validated the next generation Mm -hmm. with what I'm doing, especially podcasting and writing for you, genuine.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Well, Shireen, let our listeners know or remind our listeners how they can get a hold of you if they want to reach out and check out your books. Well, they can always just fly to Atlanta. I'm joking. joking.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, You are able to reach me on booksformilitaryfamilies.com. On there, it has links to my social media as well. But please, please, please reach out. I would love to um, do a virtual visit with your school. I would love to partner for a giveaway or more importantly, just to make your child feel heard and seen by gifting them a book. So please let me know how I can support you.
0: Awesome. Well, Shermaine, thank you again so much for being with us. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. And then Jenny Lynn, thank you for co-hosting with me. (laughs) Well, I'm just bring you back in here. Uh, Jenny Lynn, thank you for co-hosting with me as always. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Yes. And to our listeners, thank you all so much for listening. We hope you got a lot out of this conversation and we'll chat with you in the next episode. Till next time. We hope that you enjoyed today's conversation.
1: Get access to our show notes and subscribe to our newsletter by checking out the details of this episode on your preferred podcasting platform or visit our website, com.
0: And while you're on holding down the fort, podcast.com, be sure to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook,
1: or our YouTube channel. If you got a lot of value from today's conversation, kindly leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or leave us a recommendation on our LinkedIn profiles. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time.